Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for this morning, that epistle lesson that Pastor Elliot has read to us a few moments ago from 1 Corinthians chapter 15. As I begin to creep up on 35 years as a pastor, 25 of those spent here at St. Luke's with all of you, I went back and I counted, well actually I had the staff go back and count, Nearly 350 times I have stood in a cemetery with families, some of your families, including my own father. And I have spoken the words of this text, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. One of the many retired pastors that we're blessed to have part of our congregation that lives at Lutheran Haven pulled me aside last Palm Sunday, yes, last week, and said, Pastor, Pastor, I have an Easter sermon for you. Great. Part one, Jesus died on the cross. Part two, Jesus rose from the dead. Ten short words but no amen yet, because the third part of the sermon is just a little bit longer than that. He went on to say, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, nothing else matters. If Jesus did rise from the dead, nothing else matters. That's what I want to spend a few minutes thinking about together this morning. Now, 1 Corinthians 15 that you heard read is part of the great res- called the Great Resurrection chapter of the Bible. It was written by a man named Paul. He was an early follower of Jesus who had traveled to the city of Corinth in the 50s. Now, not the 1950s, just the 50s. Corinth was a very important city economically because of its geographic location. Morally, Corinth rivaled the anything-goes nature of our culture. Religiously, the archaeological remains of the city reveal temples to as many as 13 different gods. Paul arrived there and he began preaching a simple message. Jesus died on the cross. And Jesus rose from the dead and the Holy Spirit started drawing the citizens of Corinth into a whole new way of thinking and subsequently into a whole new way of living and Paul spent 18 months there preaching and teaching and then he left good leadership in place as he moved on to start another congregation in other cities of the ancient world But after he was gone, an argument broke out with some of the members of that congregation insisting that there was no resurrection of the dead. Chapter 15 is Paul's answer to that challenge. And the first thing that he says is that if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then nothing else matters. Perhaps he said it a bit more eloquently than that. 
For if the dead are not raised, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile and you are still in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to to, to be pitied. If Jesus has not been raised from the dead, then death remains forever a mystery to us. Without Jesus' resurrection, you have to either deny death or you somehow have to try and make it your friend. My grandfather died when my mother was two years old. And she doesn't remember a lot about that day, but what she does remember is that his body was laid out in the living room of their house. So that friends and neighbors could come and express their condolences. It was much harder in those days to deny death when death was laid out in the living room than it is now. Now today we have hospitals and funeral homes where we are able to disguise death and keep it to arm's length. There are some here, I would guess, who have never seen death up close and personal. Or when you have seen it, it was all dressed in nice clothes with hair fixed and makeup applied and special lighting to try and soften the harshness of the reality. Now if you add it to that, An entire movement in our culture as we drift further and further away from believing in God as he has revealed himself in the Bible. This culture attempts to paint death as our friend. As something that's natural. It's just just part of the circle of life to be embraced. But you really cannot deny death, and it is certainly, certainly not natural as your grieving at the death of your loved one clearly reveals. Paul says, rather, listen, I'll tell you the mystery. We will not all sleep. Now, what does that mean? Well, Paul is saying that the resurrection of Jesus solves the mystery of death. That death is like sleep in that it is temporary. When you fall asleep, what happens in the morning? Oh, you wake up. Good, thank you. There is audience participation in this sermon. Look, you and I were created as an inseparable whole, body and soul, to live forever in the face-to-face real presence of God. His love, His life pulsating through our veins, continuously energizing every breath that we take. And yet in the fall, in the beginning, humanity rejected that life And body and soul became separated from one another in death. And the process of perishing began. Now over and over again in chapter 15, Paul talks about the perishable and the imperishable. Now how many of you have an Easter dinner planned for later today? One or two. 
if you leave the leftovers out on the table for a week or for a month, what will happen? You will witness perishing firsthand. You will witness what has been happening to humanity ever since the fall into sin. Now look, you can put the leftovers in the refrigerator and you can slow down the process, but you cannot stop it. Our culture is very big on trying to refrigerate life. Trying to slow this perishing process down. Advent Health Marketing Campaign is Healthy 100. Good luck with that. Thousands of billions of dollars are spent trying to hide or to reverse the perishing process that we are all experiencing. In the fall, we were cut off from the source of life, that face-to-face real presence of God, and humanity has been perishing ever since. And if Jesus did not rise from the dead, then nothing else matters, and your being here this morning is just a whole lot of nostalgic nonsense. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, Then in a powerful, hilarious, ironic twist, nothing else matters. Because his resurrection changes everything. Which, by the way, is the title of the sermon series for the next seven weeks. Resurrection. This changes everything. I hope you can come every week. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. And we, who are still alive at that moment, shall be changed. Our perishing bodies fall asleep and they are placed into graves But there is a day coming when Jesus will come again and these bodies will wake up. Look, a lot of people over the years have asked me about their loved ones who have gone before them into heaven. What are they doing? What is it like? And all I can tell you is what we know from Scripture, that Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today you will be with me in paradise. And John wrote in Revelation 14, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord from now on. Blessed indeed, says the Spirit, for they rest from their labors in paradise and blessed. Their eternal souls separated from their bodies will one day be reunited with their resurrected body when Jesus comes again in glory. And any of us who are still alive on that day, come quickly, Lord Jesus, will be changed from perishable to imperishable without experiencing the death of our bodies. If Jesus did rise from the dead, then nothing else matters. Not your money, not your house, not your career, not even your friends, and your family. What matters is that they will be raised to 
back to life to live forever with you in the new heaven and the new earth. If Jesus did rise from the dead, then nothing else matters. Not your sins, not your cancer, not your bankruptcy, not wars, not your gender identity, not your political loyalties. None of it can hurt you. None of it can save you. None of it can reverse the perishing process and make you imperishable. But if Jesus did rise from the dead, there's no need for us to deny death or pretend like death is our friend, that it, that it is all just something natural. No, in the scriptures, death is our enemy. And we gather today to defiantly taunt death, which is what the rest of this text is. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Jesus' resurrection works in us a gritty, realistic approach to life. An approach that gives us victory over sin, victory over the devil and his lies, and victory over the last enemy to be destroyed over death itself. In his death on the cross, Jesus wipes out all of our past sin. Every malicious thought, every wrong word, every disgusting deed is forgiven. And his resurrection now works in us the power to do today differently than we did yesterday. I chuckled a little bit at the beginning of this text when it said, we will be changed. Because I thought of the old joke about how many Lutheran it takes to change a light bulb. Change? What do you mean change? And then I wondered if there would be any when Jesus comes again and raises the dead and changes those who are still alive who will say, no thank you, Jesus, I like this broken mess of a life that I have just the way that it is. Now don't you see, you have victory over sin even now. If death is like falling asleep, then every morning is a dress rehearsal for the resurrection. I mean, sure, you may wake up on the wrong side of the bed, grumpy, groggy, achy, sore, depressed, and anxious. But in your baptism, you are connected with Jesus in his death and his resurrection. And you can roll out of bed victorious over your sin. You can make the sign of the Holy Cross. And you can say in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And you can consciously envision what are you going to do differently today. You have the power of the resurrection at work in you. To change. You also have victory over the devil. Who even though he was defeated completely by Jesus' death on the cross. And bound forever by his resurrection. Still whispers in your ears. And so he seeks daily to drag you into the backyard of your life. And to beat you up over your sins of the past. 
My friends, by the power of the resurrection at work in you, you can grab him by the scruff of the neck, drag him to the cross, and say, get behind me, Satan. It is finished. I am forgiven. And then when he turns around and he tries to drag you out into the front yard of your life and make you worry and fret about what might happen and plays the old what-if game, by the power of the resurrection, you can go around and get behind Satan and you can kick him in the backside all the way to the open tomb and you say, no more. Christ is risen. Hallelujah. Nothing can separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. So let's count. Victory over sin, victory over the devil. The last enemy to be destroyed is death itself. And when Jesus comes again, it will be so. Now I have told you all this story before. Hey, but it's been 35 years. I'm due for a little repeat. And besides, it begs to be repeated. The house that I grew up in in Iowa had, from our bedroom windows, a commanding view of the church's cemetery. And one night, in the middle of the night, in the spring, there came the sound of a mighty trumpet blast that woke us all up. And we still tease my mother that we found her peering out the windows of her bedroom toward the cemetery to see whether there were any bodies coming up out of the graves. The trumpet will sound, and in that case it was a loose piece of aluminum soffit on the corner of the house that vibrated in the gale force winds. But what if we were to live every day of our lives peering out the windows of our lives looking continuously for the resurrection? Because if Jesus rose, nothing else matters. This changes everything. So here's how I'd like to end. I warned you about audience participation, did I not? The words of St. Paul are a taunt of death. So in just a moment, I'm going to have you stand up. And I'm going to start with the words of the text that go like this. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin. And the power of the sin is the law. And you will respond boldly, confidently, joyfully, and with some heart and some gusto, please. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, do you need to practice? Just one time, say it with me. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, stand up. Death is swallowed up in victory. O oh, death, where is your victory? O oh, death, where is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. Thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Every funeral service in St. Luke's Cemetery ends with this.
Praise God from whom all blessings flow.